0: bulls gold is delivered to you via the barroom network now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about chicago sports movies and more make sure to subscribe to the barroom network for free and easy downloads of its programming and visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts hoodies and mugs now on with the show
1: The Ballroom Network. I'm Edward Shuler. Joined as always by Salim Wallace. Salim, how you doing today, man?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, a lot of great NBA playoffs. Probably one of the more uh, exciting playoffs with NBA playoffs we've had in a while. Outside of the injuries, obviously, it's been a, been a bummer. But yeah, it's good basketball. But I'm good as well overall. Uh, yeah, everything's yeah. well here. How about yourself, man? I'm doing really well.
1: Like this has been a really fun NBA uh, postseason so far. We it's a really good Miami and New York game on right now. We got a good series between golden state and Sacramento with like a great game seven performance. Uh, Like the, the, uh, the Boston uh, Philadelphia series started off really well. Like it's just been a bunch of different highlights. So yeah, this has been a really great postseason and it, 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 you really don't know who is going to take it all. Like, I mean, there yeah. might be like one or two teams that you think should be like the front runner, but you really don't know who's going to take it all. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's a fun, it's a it's fun just... season for parity.
0: Yeah. You know, I've been, obviously been rooting for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My guy's been, uh, my guy's <laughs> been, you know, absolutely dominated that first, uh, first round. And it was, it was just, you know, he, you know, we need to change this saying to, He got the Jimmy in him, you know, like the Jimmy Butler in him. Like it's not the, it's not the. He ain't got the dog in him. He's got the Jimmy Butler in him, right? You know, he's just that guy. Like it's, it's just insane. He's just he, he like, like he's great in the regular season. Like he's all NBA for sure in the regular season. Like, but he steps up to like all time great in the playoffs. It's it's insane. Like how he does it. He's been doing this for the last, like so many years, like outside of like the one year, um, after the, after the bubble year where it would just kind of seem like it was like an odd year where a lot of teams were just kind of breaking down as the season went on. Even you saw like, you know, a, a team like the Lakers that won it all ended up like really struggling with injuries and it was just like a weird season. But, Outside of that, like I think, what if 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 the Heat win this series, and I, I'm we'll talk about the playoffs more, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll praise more uh, <laughs> love on to Jimmy as we talk about that. But like, if the Heat win this series, what they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. Like, yeah. it's, it's that's uh, that's pretty great stuff, man. So yeah, I mean, uh, the, game, yeah. the game
1: four performance, I think that was game four. Uh, that is that's up there for like, like that's all that's up there for all timers, man. That, that was yeah. just insane to watch live, like, and just like the crowd reaction to it and Jimmy's reaction. It's just, yeah, that was insane. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you because you, you deserve this. Big
0: <laughs> <know>. You really. <laughs> I've been, I've been screaming into the void for how long now about the greatness of Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I- uh, <laughs> I think I that game. I'm like, wait, is Salim and Charlotte now? Like,
1: yeah, that's crazy, but uh, you know, that was crazy. But yeah, we we have a decent amount to get to, you know, the Bulls are not playing basketball, obviously, but it, it is the off season. We're we're starting it like to get like a lot of early discussion from fans about what is gonna happen, what isn't gonna happen. Are the Bulls somehow gonna get in the top four in the draft lottery. What can they do in free agency? What can they do in trade? It is, it, it's definitely a very mysterious offseason. I think um, we we all have our preferences of the things that we want to see happen or that we'd be okay with happening, but it to me at least it, it feels like it, it's so hard to predict what actually will happen. Like a number of things really could go either way so we really are we're going to continue to talk about it and try and really figure out what is what it is that this Bulls team is actually going to do what's possible and what isn't possible so uh who better to talk to about this than one of our good friends he's been on Bulls Gold a number of times he always has really in-depth thoughts about the team he covers game tape on this team and the NBA in general, like no other. He's the co-founder of Switch Theory and also a co-host of Switch Theory, the podcast, our good buddy, Chris Alvinson. Chris, welcome back, man. Appreciate
2: it. so good to be with you guys. Appreciate the invitation. I've just been, just been itching to talk about the Bulls on a podcast, and uh, Larry and I have been kind of taking a little hiatus from our own podcast the last couple months. Just life's been busy, but, man, it's just good to be on the mic and be able to talk to you guys about some Bulls, even though uh, even though they're not in the playoffs and uh the future doesn't always look bright with this team, but uh, we're excited to break it all down and and, and chat with you guys about it today.
0: You, yeah, you, it's great you, having you, you on. We've also I was saying about, it's, it's great to have you on, Chris, because we've Bulls uh, Bulls Nation has missed your voice and your thoughts for sure. So you've been you've been super busy, obviously, so it's been harder for you to uh to get your uh tweets off and, and get your obviously your your thoughts in, but yeah, this is going to be a fun, fun episode to get all your uh, insight on what the Bulls should do. And, and I we'll talk about a little bit about the playoffs too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It it feels like we
1: always get uh, you and Lero on when you guys are like just taking a break or you're ready to unload on, on something like (laughs) kind of lucky to get
2: that. You you get us at the full, we've powered up for months leading up to the podcast. Yeah. No, I, I'm. That's true. <laughs> well, in the off season is my favorite part of the. As you guys know, I love like fake trades. I love team building. I love wow, kind true. of talking about
1: this stuff. So you guys caught me at the right time. I'm excited for it. Right. So let us get into it. So we we talked to you before about what, like when I think it was like around the trade deadline, maybe after or before, but about what direction the team should take, and. I believe you were in favor of, like, a full rebuild and just, like, trading players for picks and whatnot. And I know Salim is in favor of that as well. So uh, let's start with this. Entering the offseason, how how likely and feasible do you think this plan is to, like, potentially rebuild this roster, like, to to sell off, like, major parts? Do you think this can still be done Effectively, given what the given where the team is now, where at the trade deadline we didn't we had Vooch still under contract. He's going to be a free agent now. Demar now has one year left on his deal. Zach is still under contract for a while, but could still be moved. So, like the there, there's a little bit of change in terms of the major pieces that could be dealt to get certain assets back to really jumpstart a rebuild. So, do you think the team is still in a good position to get good value back? By moving some of our moving our best players to really jumpstart a rebuild right now this offseason? season,
2: I think it depends on the player you're talking about. Um, I know Vooch had a great year, but obviously he's a free agent, and it's it's hard for me. I've looked, I've looked a lot to different possible destinations for him, and it's not readily apparent where it would be like a really good landing spot for him. So you may be able to retain him on a on a you know more value contract, and that may improve his asset value down the road. Um, But we've seen, we've seen these three guys, Zach, DeMar and Vooch play together, play a ton of minutes together. Zach was third in total minutes in the NBA played this year, which is phenomenal, you know, achievement for him based on how he started the season. Um, Vooch played all 82. DeMar was in the mid seventies as well. Like these guys have played a lot together and we've seen the height of their power. And, you know, I, I just don't think it's been good enough. I said this at the end of last season, that we relied a lot on health, the health of Lanza Ball, the health of Alex Caruso, to really kind of get where we wanted to go. Booch and DeMar are great players. They're great players. They've done really well here. They're also players that you have to build very specifically around their weaknesses in order to kind of maximize what you're going to get because we haven't had of Ball, who was kind of like the perfect interconnector between all three of those stars. It's been it's been hit and miss. We've had some disappointing, you know, the disappointing end to last season and a pretty disappointing season throughout this one, despite the pat dev effect, you know, after the trade deadline. I do think that DeMar still has significant value, but he's also another guy that you have to really plan your whole team around. He's a guy who wants the ball in his hand. He can draw fouls. He's a clutch player. He's an isolation genius. He's a mid-range master. Like he's a really great player. And he's been phenomenal for the bulls, but if a team's going to trade for him, they need to have, you know, playoff aspirations. They need to want to be good now because of his age. They're going to need to have a need for a primary ball handler. They're going to have to have lots of three and D kind of wing ish guys around. Um, so it's difficult to trade these guys just to anybody. Now, Zach Levine, if you wanted to trade Zach Levine, I think he's absolutely, his value, I think is absolutely higher now than it was at the beginning of the year or even at the trade deadline. I mean, he just was on a tear. So I said the health was a major concern for a lot of people. I wasn't concerned about it because there didn't seem to be any reason to be concerned about it. They were just kind of trying to play it slow after an off season where he really didn't have uh, any ramp up time. So they're kind of using the beginning of the season to do that so i think I think teams would line up for Zach Lemi because he can he's a star that can fit next to almost anybody his shot making he can be a secondary ball handler he's a great finisher he's just he's just a great all around player and his defense I think has gotten to a point where it's not going to be a detriment to your team if you trade for him so those are kind of like the value of those three guys I think Zach has the most value and is the easiest to move but it would also you know signal a very significant change to your direction and the front office has been pretty clear from the get-go that they don't plan on moving off of any of these three guys and i you know so far they've you know they've followed what they said they're going to do they said they're going to be quiet at the trade deadline they said they were going to practice continuity this last off season but there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to believe that we're going to see all three of these guys in a bulls uniform next year
0: let me ask you this, Chris because going into the offseason, season we're going to talk about what they should do in the plan and 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 all those things. but like I feel like the priority at the very, not the very least, but like the priority in general should be because of how limited the long-term asked like window or the or the the what the, what this team can be long term is we need to find out how. Much better at guys like Kobe and Pat can become. So, like, I think the priority should be to find a way where you can get them a higher usage, both of them, next season. And I know that more likely will result in more losing than winning because you're going to work with, especially with Pat, you, you're Pat, you could probably work through uh, headaches of him figuring out, especially with on ball reps. But, like, that should be the priority in my mindset for this for an office, but obviously they have different thoughts in mind, but what are, what do you think about that? Like, I feel like just, especially cause we don't have that any real draft picks coming in that could, we can rely on, like, obviously if you don't get into the top four this year, you don't, you won't really have that, you know, potential blue chip prospect that we can say, okay, well we can probably build around this guy for sure. And then go from there. But like I said, I just feel like, the priority should be finding a way to see what Kobe and Pat could actually fully be at their, at their, at their peak. I
2: mean, I I agree with you that that would be my approach if I were running the team. I think it does depend on what your goal is. If the goal is to just be competitive. And I know Artura said that they just want to get a few more W's and have, have us be competing in every game, which to be fair, this year, we were competing. I think the bulls were competing in almost every game now they they had a pretty terrible clutch record overall but they were in a lot of close games this year and there was there was you know an argument that a few bad calls going the other way we we you know we would have been five or six games maybe over 500 or if you know if our clutch record hadn't been just one of the worst in the league if it was just average that we'd you know be a high 40s win team i get that and i think that's kind of what they're going for it seems like that's their goal and it seems that, like that's been ownership's goal for a while is to Make the playoffs, get people's butts in seats and, you know, stay under the tax. You can collect playoff revenue, which from a business standpoint is not a bad idea. And it's made them a lot of money over the last, you know, 20 years or whatever, since the Jordan era ended. Um, It wouldn't be my goal because I think the city deserves a lot more or, or I think the city offers so much more from an organizational standpoint because of the market, because of its storied history. I think you can do more. But if that's what you want to do, then giving more time to Kobe and Pat doesn't make as much sense. And keeping guys like DeMar and Vooch and trying to build around the edges, which is what they've done, I think that's probably what they'll continue to do as long as it's going to make them revenue, as long as it's going to kind of keep them in that competitive mix. And I think with the parity that you've seen around the league this year, there's probably a greater belief in the organization, in the organiz- within the organization, that they can do that and compete at that level. Even if they're not one of the top four teams, they can probably stay in that kind of four to eight, four to ten range. I would not do that. But Salim, I would I would agree with you. Even if it costs and it will cost wins this year, I would prioritize the development of those young guys because number one, the Kobe and Pat offer the best opportunity to have two way players on your roster without having to go and spend extra assets to get them right. You don't have to trade players. You don't have to uh, trade picks. You just have to pay the guys that you have and they have the opportunity to do that with Kobe. And I think they will. And I think they should. And we'll, I know we'll talk about Kobe more in depth later, but I, you know, that's why I would be more in favor, like Ed was saying of trying to trade, and and you really have to trade all three, unfortunately. I, I think if you just trade Damar or Vooch, you take such a step back that maybe Zach wants out later in the year. And uh-huh. if you trade Zach and you just try and build around Vooch and Damar, like, where are you going with that? I, I really I, think uh- it's kind of an all or nothing prospect at this point. And I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to have to at some point, but I don't think they're going to do it this off season. So that's kind of, I don't know if it's doom and gloom, but like that's where I see the reality at this point, because... They kind of reached most of their goals, their stated goals, other than being a little bit better than they were last season. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. This is, I think this is a critical summer for Arturis and Mark Eversley to really see if they are still in love with their own work or if they can kind of recognize the shortcomings and and make some sort of pivot. I do think they have a good chance to to pivot. Because a lot of teams are unhappy with their progress this year, and there's going to be a lot of movement, I think this summer. So there's definitely opportunity to do it. And you saw it at the trade deadline too, every single team in the league made a trade or acquired a new player. So we'll see. but yeah, I know we'll talk about Kobe and Pat later, but I, I would I'm, I'm happy to talk about that one more because those guys, I think they do, I think they've earned more minutes, and I think it's critical for the organization to give them more time, more reps.
1: I think it's interesting what you said about Zach. And this was something that I think we we brought up in our in our last show with about how like how how much all in do you go on moving the big three? Do you just trade Vooch or not trade or just let Vooch go or is it a sign and trade? Do you trade him and Damar? And then do you keep Zach and try to retool a team around him potentially? Like maybe there are pieces that you get back from those trades involving Demar and Boosh that could help improve like the shot profile of the team. That was something that uh, AK mentioned in the uh, in the season press, uh, press uh, conference about trying to improve the shot profile of his team. So, I mean, that could be an option. But we also talked about the fact that, like you said, if you trade those two, then Zach may say, hey, what are we doing here? I'm in my prime. I'm not trying to play on another loser team in Chicago like I want out, too. And then you're just stuck in this weird thing again where you don't really want to rebuild and you don't really have like that guy to rebuild around again. So it's kind of like a weird year. And that may not be the direction this team wants to go in. So. I think that's really interesting that what you're what you're saying, that you just have to really go all in with it. And when I've like talked about retooling, I've been on that train where it's just like, okay, you know, let's see if we can build around Zach. Let's see if we can get some shooters around him and see if Pat and Kobe can take a jump. Let's see if our young players can take a jump around him. Let's see if there's like some youngish vets that we can kind of acquire around these players and see where that goes. Again, I don't know how realistic that is and what you know trade opportunities are out there for that, but I, I, I that was kind of like my train of thought with it. But I, I do think yeah. that what you're saying is really interesting and could very well be probable that Zach would just want out if he's seeing the two best players on the team going.
2: Yeah, and Ed, I think you're right. I, I think ultimately it depends on Zach. If they talk to Zach and say, hey, Zach, listen, we're going to move to Mar, we're going to move Vooch, we're going to bring in, we're going to change up our shot prof- profile, we're going to bring in... I think Brooklyn's a great example of a team Mm -hmm. that might be interested in DeMar services because they've got like three or four, three and D wings. They've got shooting with Joe Harris. They've got, um, they've got uh, Seth Curry. They've got Dorian Finney Smith. They've got obviously Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, those guys, like they've got some pieces where if we were to shift it around, I think we would absolutely lose more this year, this upcoming year. But if you could get Zach's approval to say, hey, listen, give us a season to turn to retool this thing where we don't have to tear it all down, where we can spend some time developing Kobe and Pat, where we can bring in, maybe bring in a, a primary ball handler, like a point guard, like maybe like a Tyus Jones out of Memphis, or, you know, like I think there's going to be maybe Mike Conley, or I think there's going to be some opportunity to get kind of a primary ball handler this, this off season. If they can just shift around the roster a little bit and kind of, take a little bit one step back, but say, Hey, we're going to be able to take two steps forward from this. I think, you know, Zach's a, pre- a pretty reasonable guy. He's been pretty patient. So it may be possible if Zach's on board, but if he's not on board. Then I think you kind of are left with the drastic options of keep them all or ship them all out. I, I, I just don't, I don't see any option other
1: than that. Yeah. And Zach is Zach just turned 28. So like, even though like his athleticism will probably like, dwindle a little bit like as he kind of like approaches like his early 30s there still is like a reasonable window there to build a competitive team you look at maybe like his age 28 to like what is he under contract to like just 31 season I believe so like there, there's still a reasonable window there and like like you said if you can take a step back and improve your shot profile and then you you can work with something like that going forward and potentially you could like open up some cap space down the road to really take another crack at it so I mean that's an option, but like I, I definitely like I, I definitely think what you're saying is like Zach sees them going. He's like, all right, <laughs> what am I doing here? Like trade me in New York, trade me to the, the I don't know who else, but trade me to yeah. Portland. I don't know. Like I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think the other the other issue you really run into is I know that there are some theoretical places you could go. As I mentioned, just one or two of them, but the team needs so much to be successful. They really need a primary ball handler. They need high level, high volume shooters, and they also need serious rim protection. Those are three really critical areas and they're not really good at any of those right now. They've got great isolation scores are I think they're a good, I think they've got the bones of a good passing team. I think they've got a lot of high IQ players or, you know, the players that have pretty good basketball feel. Um, but they're missing like critical elements. You can't, I don't think you can be successful. We've seen it with Zach, with Zach as the primary ball handler all the time. You need him. He's like the perfect secondary. Like if you had him next to Luka Doncic, he would absolutely thrive or next to Steph Curry, you know, or guys that are the clear number one ball handler or next to Jimmy Butler. Like imagine him next to Jimmy Butler. I think that would just be killer for Zach's career. Yeah. Not that I want to put that in anyone's minds.
0: Um, we've already shipped oh, out no. a great and player. I, this would be so. Tough. No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like, but put, but, especially giving Spo a, a movement scorer like Zach. Yeah. Oh my god! Like, yeah. And Jimmy's I mean, Zach, such a great. Jimmy's yeah. such a great initiator too. Like he he can be your point guard. Like if you need him doing that half court, and having Zach off, you, you're seeing guys like Gabe Vincent. Like, <laughs> go off. It's like, imagine put Zach in there then instead. Yep. Or, or, like, instead of hero, it's Zach, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. He would be scary. So, that's why
2: I think that's why I was so against the original Vucevic trade. Not because Vucevic isn't a great player, because he is, but he's a guy that doesn't meet and doesn't help with any of those three main issues that the Bulls had. He's not—he's not a clear upgrade from Zach. He's not—he's not, you know, to make Zach like a secondary guy. And even though Demar, I think last year was kind of like the one A to Zach's one B, the ceiling on Demar, I think, is pretty clear because of his limitations as a defender and his limitations as um, a three-point spacer. He's occupying a certain space on the floor that Vooch also wants to occupy, and that Zach often operates into. I think Zach is way more malleable, as I've said. But those three guys together, even though they're good, they're all individually good players. I just don't think that they really mesh in the ways that are important to ultimately winning playoff basketball. And that's, you know, that's kind of where we are. So it's really hard to, to ship, like who are you going to, who are you going to get to be a great rim protector in return for Vuce or DeMar? Like it's, there's not a lot of great options around the league that are available right now for that. So we're in a kind of tough spot and that's why i leaned more in the full rebuild because we don't have the assets to jump from the middle to the top i know we've got our 2027 20, and 2029 20, first round picks but you just see the ceiling on this team and i don't think that there's anyone there's going to be anyone available that hits all of those points and is worth the assets it would take and meets the timeline for everybody it's just it's a really it's a really tough needle to thread at this point and i think the front office put themselves in that spot by trying to make them competitive. Now they jumped from being kind of meh to being a good team, but now they don't, they can't make that next jump. And the players that are in, on the roster right now aren't two way stars. You got three guys who are one way stars and you got Kobe and Pat who are too young, I think, and too underdeveloped at this point to really take that next leap within that timeline. I know it's like a kind of doomsday, but I think it's just kind of the, the logical progression of the moves that they've made and the players that they have and the assets that they've retained. I just don't think that they have enough to really make a significant leap forward. And so the only thing that makes sense is taking some series of steps back, whether it's one step, like a small retool, like we talked about, or like tear it all down, retain Kobe and Pat and IO and Dalen and then let everyone else go, you know, yeah. ship everyone else out for picks.
1: Yeah. So. And I I think that's just like, like you said, it's just the unfortunate reality of where we're at, especially when you consider Lonzo Ball's injury. I think if Lonzo Ball's injury hadn't happened, we may be having a little bit of a different discussion here about what our future plans could be with this team because Lonzo Ball still would fit that general timeline. But no, I I think you're right. Like it's, it's really impossible to imagine bringing this team back. And like you said earlier, this team was unusually healthy, like usually every season we're talking about the Bulls health and how we just have bad luck with injuries and this guy's out and what would happen if this guy was out, but Damar, Zach, and Boosh were probably the healthiest Bulls trio we've seen in quite some time and like everyone even like Pat didn't really, Pat didn't miss a game Kobe played a lot of games, like we just had pretty good health all around and we still ended up as a play-in seed That's that's the,
2: the toughest part is the health, right? Yeah. You're not going to get that health back. It's yeah. not going to be like that anymore.
0: Yeah, you know, I've joked all year that this team is built to compete in 2003, like with the type of uh, how they're constructed. Like you've got a guy like Vooch who's a good big that can pull us up a little bit. You have some three-point shooting. You have a couple of guys that can initiate and create their own offense. But it's nothing to the point where it matches up with the modern game, like, like, the three-point shoot rate is just way too low to be seriously be able to compete, especially if you don't have those elite players. Like, I think there's teams out there right now that are probably a lower on, on the lower side. But, like, you got, like – like the, I think the, the Sixers are on the lower side, but they got a generational talent on the roster. Uh, The Suns are on the lower side, but they got Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, so, like, it's like, you know – the Bulls don't have that. They don't, they don't have that ability to overcome that glaring like weakness. So it's to 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 get to my my thought there. It's like the the front office. They like they're they're obviously most to blame for the the issues on teams. I know everyone to pile on to Zach because he's a max player, and it's all his fault that the Bulls weren't in the playoffs. Um, it's, you know, one or another, we would talk about, it, obviously, DeMar and his weaknesses and criticize the players as well over all of the boot with what we gave up for him and everything like that. But it comes down to this front office's inability and especially AK to really build a good roster. And the last three times that he had a, had a, a, like, you know, a chance to shake things up, he decided to really stand pat. Like, obviously, this past trade deadline, Last off season where he added like you know very marginal depth and guys like Drummond and Dragic and then there's trade then last um <laughs> excuse me season where he decided to stand pad as well uh, and what I'm getting at is at this point is like where is your confidence level with AK because I feel duped at this point like I think he's like a guy that tricked all of us. And I mean, maybe some people were critical right away with the Vooch trade and stuff like that. But as far as him being a guy that knows what he's doing, it almost feels like he is out of his depth. Like he's he's lost. He doesn't really. He's kind of like a really good assistant manager that was given the you know keys to the store and said, "You're the manager now." And he's like, "Oh crap, what do I do? <laughs> like I don't have anyone to turn to. I, what do I do?" Like, that's where I feel like he's at right now. Like, where is your confidence with AK?
2: I think it's, you know, I think it's a mixed bag as it is with almost everybody. Um, I, I do think, and it may not be him, it may be more of the, his other staff, but I thought he was really creative when he put the team together with, with Lonzo and and um, and DeMar, but he had assets to move and he moved on. Right. I mean, he had things to move. And so I think he's kind of painted himself into a corner, which I think is is a knock against him. Obviously, you can't you can't knock him for the Lonzo thing, but the problem is you're playing Jenga here, and you've got this like perfect thing when it's all together. But as soon as you pull out one of those one of those sticks, it's all falling down, and you have to you have to anticipate that you're not going to be healthy, that you're going to lose players. You have to anticipate that. Hey, I mean. Yeah, if you got Caruso and Lonzo and the, and our big three out there, they're phenomenal, right? They had a great net rating. They were smoking teams in the clutch. It's a great team, but you had to have all five of those guys healthy to do that. You can't do that. You have to get your core guys, your your stars, have to be two way players, and then you have to build around that. You can't have your two. You can't have your stars be so reliant on role players in order to be successful. And I think that's where. That's why I was against the Vooch trade. And even though DeMar was a perfect fit with Caruso, with Lonzo, all those guys, once they kind of went down that path, I don't think they should have gone down that path when they did, because you got rid of guys like Wendell. You know, maybe He's never going to be a star, but he was a solid role player, starting level center. Um, I know people said he was undersized, but he was a guy who didn't take anything off the table as a player. Those, you need those guys as your role players and you need those guys as your stars. You need, you need guys that are two-way players that don't aren't taking things off the table for you. So I think he's good at targeting specific needs and finding them. But as far as finding complete players to be your stars, I think he hasn't done a great job at that. And I think the bigger thing that I've been disappointed on is finding guys on the margins, finding guys when you don't have assets to throw. Like when you have a first-round pick to throw – Sure. You can, you can make that happy. You can grease those wheels. But if you look at the heat, we we're talking about the heat before we, we came mm-hmm. on the heat have found so many guys off the scrap heap or just little guys that they brought in. That the Lakers are really good. Their scouting department does the same thing where they're able to find guys. Um, I I just think that AK hasn't done a good job with the back of the roster. Like he could have moved Troy Brown Jr. If he wasn't going to bring him back at at the deadline, he or sign and trade in the off season or, you know, there's no reason that Marcos Simonovich should still be on the roster at this point. Like, he doesn't play. He's got this contract. Like, he's just doing nothing. Or Tony Bradley, there's guys that he's just not utilizing. So I wish he would done would have done a better job on the margins, and I wish he would have not pushed his chips in to this thing. I think once he did, I think he made good moves around that to bring in a competitive team. But now I think we're still learning things about AK. So I am way less excited than I was a year ago. But I also thought that they shouldn't have gone the way that they they went. I thought the idea was correct, but the execution was really poor. They, got, they targeted the wrong person to put next to Zach, and they spent way too many assets to get it done. So we'll see because now he's kind of painted himself into a corner, and we're going to see how creative he can be. We're going to see if he can change the shot profile of this team, if he can bring in the right guys next to Zach, or if he's going to, you know, he he has plenty of ways to get out of this. Like it's not doomed. Hmm. It's just do- his his plan is doomed, but the bulls are not doomed. It remains to be seen if he can recognize that and pivot in order to kind of get himself out of the out of the hole that he's he's put himself in. So I'm I'm still not out on AK. I just think he has a lot to prove this summer. And I think once we see what he does when it's kind of backs up against the wall here, I think we'll kind of show if he's out of his depth or not.
1: There's a there's still I, I like your I like your take. It's it's really well reasoned and and thought out, and I think it's it, it's really balanced in terms of just like an assessment of AK. Like I I really thought that the offseason where he basically put this team together, I I enjoyed that because it was it was aggressive in targeting needs. It was creative, and I thought for the most part, like they might have overpaid like a little bit, but you could see why they would do it to put together the roster and you could see the vision of the team overall. So it, it was something that we as Bulls fans were really not used to in terms of that type of aggression and trades and maneuvering of the cap. So it it was really strong to see that. So I liked how he targeted needs and I did like when he first came in here, gave time for the team to really be evaluated and then made moves after that in that uh at that trade deadline when he made the deal for uh Daniel Tice of course the deal for boot. So, I mean, he he showed that willingness to be able to swing some deals. Obviously trades are kind of a, it's, it's a great thing to see, but it can be hit or miss. Like you're going to lose some trades. You're going to win some trades. It happens in the NBA. And unfortunately the bulls lost, basically lost both of those deals with uh, Gafford and Washington and uh, Wendell and uh, Franz uh, back in Orlando now. So, um, I I think for me, there are things that I like, and then there are things that, like you said, just the overall, like they ended up kind of like mortgaging the future a little bit. Like they haven't made some great moves on the margins, which – is one of the things we were excited about coming from Denver because Denver was pretty solid at that in terms of built up taking some guys and, you know, stashing them in the G league, letting them develop there, bringing them up to the main roster. They were contributing. We saw plenty of guys in Denver do that. So uh, not seeing that happen here was a little disappointing, but um, I, I would love to see more of that. So it, it, this is really, this really is going to be a pivotal offseason season for AK where it really could decide everything in terms of that. I, I'm not saying that you know Reinsdorf is going to fire him after this offseason if it doesn't work out, but I think it really will really determine like his uh, perception for really his uh, GM run so far.
0: Yeah, I mean we'll see. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm my confidence is super low, um, but we'll see like what happens with the with the off with off season and and what he ends up doing with. It's back against the wall, and obviously that, uh, you know, end of the season pressure pressure didn't really give us any confidence as far as what, you know, he could want to do and what he will do, uh, going in. But let's talk about some of the young players. Obviously, there I feel like there are bright some bright spots on this team, and you know, some players that one player that maybe didn't get enough credit, and another player who's who's kind of been, uh, you know, criticized a lot really started showing good, you know, development this season. Well, short of last season, I want to say, like, so in particular, Kobe White, I felt like he sh- he started showing some stuff towards the end of last season where like, especially like his transition defense, I think you saw a little bit more better effort on like the screen navigation. Um, I think the other things were still kind of, he was still kind of working his way through, but coming into this off season, this past off season, you know, you saw him going and working really on his handles and coming into season, you saw how much better his handles were. I feel like his decision-making as a ball handler uh, got to the point where I think he could, and and if he's playing on a good team, I could see him being like a secondary ball handler. Uh, that's how much better I feel like he's gotten in that regards. And just as overall, like on the defensive end, like I think – Like, I wouldn't say he's good, but like, I feel like he's more of a positive there now than he's ever been in his career. Like he's not, he's not like, like if his shot isn't there, you've seen Billy's ride with him because he's still competing on the defensive end and making a difference. And then obviously as a scorer, he's just become, you know, a little bit more reliable there too. Like, so what have you seen with Kobe White as far as his development this season and like how, how, much do you think like his contract situation will be in the offseason? like I think easily that mid-level exception, but do you think a team could even give him more than that?
2: So I was I was kind of irrationally high on Kobe White coming into this season and I know I had texted like Salim, I know I texted you and Larry about it. I was in the, like those little Bulls DM with a, a dozen people that Um, I was also kind of like Kobe White's going to have his best year, his best season. I just thought, as you mentioned, Slim, the transition defense showed up major improvements, I think towards the end of last season and the screen navigation really showed up on the tape uh, towards the end of last season. So much of defense is just being in the right places at the right times. Now Kobe's never going to be, I think, a lockdown defender because of his size, because of the length of his arms. He's just not going to be that guy, but he went from being legitimately, I think, one of the poorest defenders in the NBA for his position to being solid. Now, as you said, I wouldn't call him, like, a great defender, but he's in the right spots so much more than he used to be. The effort's there. He's, you know, the contest, like, you'll see it when they're running in transition and he'll, he'll go up and he'll try to be, like, a little rim protector, like, deter someone from the rim in transition. And just him being there, even though he's not going to block anybody, is so helpful to the team. It just, it just helps so much. He's done so many things, so many of the little things on defense this year that have really impressed me. I think his screen navigation has gotten even better. He's just, he's just on his guy. He's where he should be. And that to me is the thing that young players struggle with the most is just knowing when to rotate and where to rotate to and, you know, working within the scheme. So I think he's come a long way there. In the offseason, it was reported that he was going to work on his defense and his ball handling, and so that's why I was really high on Kobe White coming into this season. I just thought those are the two major areas because he is a streaky shooter, but if he can run a second unit or he can be a secondary ball handler and just be an advantage maintainer, if not even an advantage creator, that would be so helpful. And we saw in his college days how fast he was, right, from 0 to 100, His his kind of north-south speed – and quickness were really there. But I thought his his kind of east and west, like his ability to kind of be herky-jerky or to change directions at different speeds was always lacking. And I thought the reason why was not a physical issue, but it was because of his handles. The handles were too loose. And so he wasn't able to change directions and keep the ball with him. He would he would kind of make those mistakes. And we've seen this year, because of his improved handles, his ability to get to the rim or to make plays kind of in around the nail has really improved. Um, I think he's always been like a pretty solid passer. His assist to turnover ratio has always been pretty good. I think he's been making a lot of the right reads, even if they're simple reads, he's been making the right reads for a long time, but that handle I think has opened up his ability to really dictate the offense and dictate what his defenders doing in a way that we haven't seen in previous seasons. So I've been really impressed with Kobe. I think he has a chance to be a positive on both ends of the floor, which is a rare thing to have, And you've got it with a guy who's like 23. And as to the contract situation, I think the league as a whole is still very, very unaware of Kobe White's improvement. If you just look at like the box score from his season, he's like down across the board. He looks like he had a terrible year, (laughs) but I think he's improved in almost every aspect of his game. So I do think they should retain him at almost any price, but I do think that his price is going to be, deflated as a result of that my one major concern is the san antonio spurs they got a lot of cat space and with josh primo being out of the league i think they, they're they primed to, to make a run at a guy like kobe white so i'm a little bit worried about that but i think the bulls are a really good spot to retain him and, and hopefully retain him at a discount price you know like versus what his value is i think i think he's probably going to get paid less than he's worth
0: do yeah. you think like the mid-level would be reasonable? I, Cause I think I would offer mid-level except like the, not the exception, yeah. but like that, that amount. Uh, yeah. Like an 11, 12 million a year. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I think he would absolutely yeah. uh, bring it back. Like right away. Like don't even let him go talk to things like, Hey Kobe, here's uh four years, you know, whatever the mid mid-level per average is at, at four years. Um, just give him that and see if he can just sign it in instead of trying to test the market. Because, like you said, you know, it only takes one team. Um, and especially with the Bulls cap situation, it's like I don't know if I want to. I don't. I don't want to risk risk that. You know. So yeah, I'd even um, i even slightly
1: that if that's what it took. Like I would even like just go at MLE money. Like I'd give him like a little bit more and say, hey, like here you go. Like what's yeah. up?
2: Yeah, like, yeah I, don't, I, mean, I don't
0: see
1: any downside to that. I'd...
0: Yeah, he's young enough. Like, I I told, I totally see him. Like, I, you know, I've constantly said, like, if he gets the opportunity to start, uh, and I think there is opportunity there just because of what the Bulls' options are and, and, and what they can do at point guard with uh, Lonzo being out and them still being committed to Lonzo as far as wanting him to be part of the, you know, whatever they want to do going forward. I think they've obviously talked about him trying to come back next season. We'll see if that happens. I'm still in doubt. I have still doubt on that, that he'll play next season, but um, yeah, I mean, like you, you almost, what other options do the Bulls have at point guard? So might, might as well see what Kobe can do as a full-time starting point guard, you know, commit to him in that regards uh, and, and it could pay dividends. So,
2: my my challenge with the starting point guard role, I think I think Kobe has a place on almost any team. I think he's valuable enough that you should retain him. He's either going to have value on your team, or you can use him later if you really want to change directions for some reason. I think he'll have value on that contract. You don't have to necessarily offer to him before free agency starts. I know we all know, free agency starts a long time before July first. Right. You can feel out the market, and I'm sure Kobe's agency, you know, a- agent will feel out the market you're going to get a pretty good idea of what the market is. Now the bulls have, have historically played hardball and just said, go find a deal and we'll match it. They did it with Zach Levine. Um, They made Jimmy Butler bet on himself. You know, they did it with, I think, I think they did offer Bobby, they did offer Bobby Portis. um, I think it was like 14 or 15 a year at the time, but he ended up um, going somewhere else too. But I think that they did it with Lowry too, right? They say, Hey, go find a deal Lowry. Um, I think they'll probably take that approach again. And I, from a financial standpoint, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue unless, but they really got to scout out the teams that have cap space. If there's someone there, I think they should offer that pretty, pretty early on. The problem with the starting point guard role is if, if you have Kobe white next to Zach and Vooch and DeMar, again, a lot of his value as a secondary ball handler is, is going to be diminished because they're, they're taking up so much oxygen on offense. I really loved him off the, off the bench, but if he's going to be in the starting role, I think you've got to shift around some other things um, so that he can have more of an opportunity to, to, really make a play on the offensive end. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's fair. hundred percent. I, I don't disagree with that. I just like, I just look at it in a situation like the bulls, you know, well, is so limited Um, And not not to say Kobe doesn't deserve that opportunity regardless, but just it's you have to you have to see what's there because of where the Bulls are with, you know, the the overall um, roster construction, I should say, and just with everything else. So it's like it's almost like, you know, might as well find out. Yeah,
1: I, I think the I really am curious to see the evolution of his game continue even more like what Chris was saying just about his overall decision-making and timing and you know he's been putting in the work and it's visible on the floor and he just seems like a generally more confident player he's shooting the ball better as well like I'm interested to see I'm interested to see the decision-making continue advancing and I'm also curious if his shooting can reach like a near elite level one day. Like he he's been flirting with like 40% the past couple of seasons as a three point shooter. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he can really make that jump going forward. Like we've seen a lot of these guys really increase that volume and really like head into the, into like the 40% as they kind of like round into their prime. So I'm wondering if Kobe white really can get to that point. Like he's, he, he's money with the catch and shoot. So if we can get him more opportunities there, like that's going to be even better. And you know seeing him progress off the dribble too like it that's in a good spot to develop too so it it really is going to be great to see what he can do going forward with his team and like to continue improving and like he like he's on the uptick like it I, i think you're right the league really hasn't noticed and the box score numbers are not really sexy but if you watch the game it's it's popping like real crazy right now
2: yeah i agree um I think it, as you said, Ed. I think it's going to have to do with the role that he's placed in and the roster construction around him. But he absolutely has that talent. I mean, he and Zach are the first duo to ever make eight threes in a game together. Do you guys remember that? Uh, and I know right. I don't know about you guys, but I could not believe that Stephen Clay hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's clearly got shooting talent, and more importantly, the way people, the way opposing teams guard him. Has a lot of respect for his shooting ability. Like they guard him as as if he were a 40% shooter. So I know he was flirting around. He's yeah, he's been 38, 38 and change the last two years. Um, if he can I mean that's quality. If he can stay around that, he's he's gonna be valuable at the, the three-point line. One thing Arturo said was he didn't say that we're gonna bring in more shooting. He just said we're gonna change our shooting profile, which kind of made me right. a little bit nervous at the time that maybe he's actually not gonna change the roster. He's just gonna try and do a Jim Boylan and just make like that take threes, um, you know, just to try and change the shooting profile to make it look good on paper. I hope that's not what they, what they do, but I do think that Kobe. And then this is why I struggle with the starting point guard thing. They need someone to set up Kobe on a consistent basis, because I think he can be a really good shooter. Um, And I think he's gotten better off the catch and off the dribble and stuff, but I I do think his catch and shoot numbers. um, I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking off off my head now. I can't, I can't recall, but I feel like he's, he's always been a pretty decent catch and shoot player, catch and shoot player. Um, but getting him set up with that is is going to be important to his continued development there. No problem.
0: Or no question. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> just make yeah, up words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, you, 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 you're just like me there. Uh, I, I do that too often. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's talk about uh, Pat then. Uh, you know, he probably had, one of – he had a pretty good year, I thought. Like, you know, you saw improvements on defense where he became a plus defender. Uh, You saw him becoming a better – well, more consistent three-point shooter. I thought he improved his release as the season went on, too. Like, the the release got a little quicker. Um, I mean, there was a lot of criticism with as far as whatever – as far as how much he was rebounding and things like that, which I thought at times was a little, like – unfair because I feel like a lot of his role on defense uh, with the offensive rebounding, if you if you will, his role was to kind of get back on defense. A lot of times I think it was more system, system, systemic uh, scheme related more so than him just not being a good rebounder. But obviously I think there's something there where like the rebounding could be better. But yeah, I just thought he was – he was a he was a good player. He showed like he, he's a good three young three and D player that still has potential for growth, and we'll see how much more that potential is. Um, because obviously the the crazy talks about Kawhi and stuff is like unfair, and you know that should never been placed on him to begin with. But obviously him being the fourth overall pick, people want to put that unfair expectations on him, and then also the people who want to be critical want to always point out, well, he's the fourth pick, so he should be this, this, and this level of player. And then obviously with a guy like Halliburton in the draft too, going much later, people think, oh man, they should have taken Halliburton and they completely screwed that up because of that. Um, So I feel like the, the Pat discourse kind of gets a little, you know, like bad, if you will, uh to simply put it. But yeah, like I said, I thought Pat had a really – Fun season, good season. Um, and I, I'm excited to see what he can go continue to be, grow into. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pat? Like, I know you have a lot of things that uh, thoughts on Pat as well. And I think you've done some other uh, research on some numbers and things. So I, I'd love to hear uh, your full view on Pat right now.
2: Yeah, I, I never have a shortage of things to say about Patrick Willis. Uh, I think one of the reasons that I've always been intrigued by Pat is he's another player that doesn't really take anything off the table. There's nothing that you can point to that says he's going to suck at this his whole career. Like everything, that everything is kind of tantalizing. Um, I know that the, the rebounding, there's been so much crap about this rebounding all year. I get it. He's his power forward. Um, he should be rebounding more. I agree. He should be a better rebounder. But I really think, I mean, m- the majority of a team's rebounding is uncontested defensive rebounds. And you have a lot of control over who gets those rebounds. And the Bulls were a good uh, defensive rebounding team. They And a lot of it was by design. That's one of the reasons they were fifth in defense is because they never tried to get their own misses. And they, they wanted to keep people out of transition offense. And so they stayed home. They made people face them in the half court. More than almost any other team, and they they were really good at rebounding their own misses. Now, sometimes it didn't come through because there were games where it was like maddening offensive rebounds that they would give up. But I think rebounding is one of the least of the team's worries, um, and especially for Patrick. Like it's it's I just think it people spend way too much time talking about his rebounding. Yes, it needs to improve. Um, and as you said, Slim, a lot of it has to do with scheme and what you're, and what their role is on the floor. He was guarding a lot of uh, opposing perimeter players this year. Probably wasn't in as, posi- as much position to get rebounds as as maybe he'd like him to be, but I really think it's kind of an overblown thing. Um, he's he, he got put in position to do two things this year, defend and shoot threes. He doubled his three-point rate from 1.7 to 3.4 a game, uh, which I thought was good. He maintained... His uh, shooting percentage, his career, is, th- is a forty-one point four percent shooter. He shot forty-one point five percent for three this year. He's a good shooter. I mean, he just is. The release has sped up. It's still slow. It's still kind of rainbowy, but it goes in. And it goes in. And, and the only thing you want is more shots. I thought he did a really good job of uh, shooting when he had shooting available to him this year, way more than the year before. And obviously, playing the all eighty-two games helped. I think there's a lot of untapped potential on the offensive end. There's my children crying in the background, of course, because I'm a parent. Um, but I thought defensively he really took some strides this year. He was, by the numbers, one of the best isolation defenders in the NBA. Now, do I believe that he is? No, but I think he showed a lot on that end as an isolation defender. I think he's gotten better at at uh, screen navigation, although his size and his kind of lack of explosive quickness um, are always going to hinder him a little bit in that aspect, but I think he did a good job. I think he was in position in the right position more often. And I think his, you know, his secondary rim protection is still one of my favorite things about him when it pops. He definitely has to improve off ball still as a defender. But I think there's there's a really good player in there. If he just stays on his current trajectory, I think he's going to be a really good three and D wing slash forward in this league for a long, long time. And that's a great, that's a great player to have. In fact, I would be talking not only to Kobe this offseason, I would be trying to extend Patrick Williams. I'd I'd be trying to work yeah. out an extension with him this offseason before because mm-hmm. I think next season the league's gonna catch on and there's gonna be a lot of people being like, you know, OG OG is gonna cost four round, you know, four first round picks or Mikhail Bridges. You know, this guy's only twenty two and he's doing a lot of these things. Like we should we should jump on that bandwagon. So I I I love um what I've seen from Pat this year. I do think he has a lot more to show as a ball handler and in kind of self-creation, but he's not taking anything off the table. I, I don't think he's going to suck at those things. He just needs lots of reps at those things. And we saw him get a lot more in a bench role the second half of the year. Sorry guys, I'm going for a long time. I apologize. But I'm well <laughs> I, know. Know, I have a lot of bad thoughts, but I, I do think, I do think that one of the reasons I want the roster construction to change is that he gets more opportunities I would like him to seize the opportunities that he has a little bit more. He's still kind of passive, Um, but he's clearly got skill there. He's clearly got the size and the strength and enough quickness to get where he wants to get and to get his shot off and get to his spots. He just needs a lot more opportunity to do so. He may not find that in this context, but even if he doesn't, I think he's a valuable player for the Bulls to have because he's a high level defender, or at least he projects to be. And I think he's, he offers the best shooting on the team so far outside of Lonzo, who is out, you know, obviously out all year. So keep him, uh, keep doing what he's doing, and I think give him, if anything, more opportunity uh than he's gotten so far. One last thing I want to mention, I I put up a little kind of poll comparing him, comparing his stats at age 21 to Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, and Mikhail Bridges, who are kind of, you know, the spectrum, the broad spectrum of forwards that were kind of buried in the offensive rotation on their teams at age 21. And he compared pretty evenly across that board. And that's not to say he's going to be any of those guys. As I said, I kind of, I put a like a long Twitter thread about that, but I just think that's way too early to tell that Patrick Williams is going to be super great or super bad. I just think we don't have enough evidence and that what he has shown has been pretty in line with a lot of other people in his situation. So there's a lot of room for Patrick to grow. And I think we should continue to be very patient with him because there's no reason not to be at this point. There's just, He's been doing well, so, you know, keep it going and, and give him more reps and more opportunity. And I think we're going to see a really nice player blossom. I hope I hope it's the high end of that spectrum. But um,
1: I think we're on a good proje- you know trajectory at this point where we are. I love what you said about. Prioritizing the contract extension, because I was going to mention that that this really is like prime opportunity for the Bulls to get a really good deal done with Pat before that real breakout hits. So. Like I thought everything you said was spot on. Like for me, uh, like I I remember when we were talking about this before the season, it was for me, at least I, I really just wanted to see Pat look more confident and be a little bit more assertive in his game. And I think we saw that on both ends. Like, sure. Like, like you said, he can definitely still go through those funks where he's a little bit passive, but we definitely saw more opportunities. We definitely saw him take more opportunities with the ball when he got it and just shooting more instinctively and naturally and the jump shot looks good like I mean it's not going to be like a a snapshot it's not going to be like the fastest release in the world but it looks like something that he can get off consistently he's making it and like the percentages are really good so I'm good with what I saw for Patrick Williams and I think it projects really well going forward I wanted to ask you this though you mentioned getting more opportunities for Patrick Williams so to you what does that look like like if you're If we're whether it's rebuilding this team or retooling the team, where in the totem pole are you looking to place Patrick Williams next season to really get the most out of him? Like, is it too soon to place him in a number two role? Is it too soon? Like, is he better suited to be a number three? Like, we definitely don't want him to be a number four right now. But like, I guess how high up on the ladder do you want him to be? To get the appropriate amount of opportunities to develop more,
2: he's definitely had before. I I think we saw more of it in a bench role because he he spent more time as like a number two or number three guy, and sometimes a number one when you know in certain matchups. And we saw him take advantage of that. And I thought he was actually pretty aggressive in in some of those situations to close out the year. One of the things I loved about I loved about him is totally off topic, but uh, his aggression. There was a, I think it was against Toronto. He caught he caught the ball and he was kind of in like the 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 left corner and he looked like he was gonna pass the ball and instead he like did a little step back three like in this guy's face. I'm like, dang Pat. Like he turned around and like stepped back and hit this three in this guy's face. And I just thought like I never saw that his first year. Like <laughs> his confidence has come a long way. So you just want to be able to build that confidence. You want to be able to get him. If he's in the starting lineup, yeah, you want to maybe have him be the third guy or have him be involved. I mean, there's plenty of t- there's plenty of reps. Like Zach or DeMar, they don't want to spend, they don't want to do 30, 40 pick and rolls a game. There's there's available time and opportunity. Billy's just has to kind of help implement that, help get him comfortable with that, that type of role. But have him, I thought what he did, what Billy did do a really good job was get him involved as a screener. You know, have him go up or slip the screen or or do some high low. Like, just get him involved in the play and not staying in the corner. I think is gonna gonna give him more opportunities to organically be a ball handler and make decisions with the ball. So you don't have to you don't have to necessarily script a lot of stuff for him. Just get him involved in the play, even if it's not as a primary ball handler or a secondary ball handler. And those those progressions, I think those that progress will naturally flow from that. In the bench role, I think he should be either the guy with the ball in his hands most of the time or as a secondary ball handler. And I think you have an opportunity to do that with the current roster without any changes. So I'd love to see more of that if they continue down this current path um, this next year. So I think we can see Kobe in that role. We can see Pat in that role. I know they like to run either Zach or DeMar or Vooch in that secondary role in that kind of bench unit as well. But as long as he's kind of in that top three and involved, even if he's not, if he's involved in the rotations involved in screening and involved in the action, uh, you know, you're going to bring him along in that way. It doesn't have to be, all right, Pat, you're the guy, put the ball in his hands 50 times a game and just let him work through, um, you know, all the mistakes. Sure. That'd be, that'd be fun. We're going to do a lot of losing. Uh, people are going to be frustrated with it. He'll do, you know, if you want to do a trial by fire, you can do that. I don't think you have to, I think, um you can have him do it within the flow of the offense that's currently there. I'd like to see him get a little bit more than he does, but you know, I think he's going to make that I think he's going to make that progress as he goes even
0: if he's just doing what kind of what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% like yeah, I'm I'm excited about Pat uh what he could become for sure. Um and his contract situation man, it's going to be interesting just because like I 100 percent would extend him, but I can totally see his agent being like, "Man, I go look at a guy like DeAndre Hunter. What he got on as far as this contract? I'm not taking less than that. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm not taking less than what DeAndre Hunter got. And there's other wings out there too that are similar to Pat that are making a you know a, a decent amount as far as and free aging is concerned. Free agency is concerned, and, and especially when when you pay a young player you're not paying him for what he is right now you're paying him for what he can become and that potential so if i'm pat's agent i'm like no i'm i'm not i'm not accepting a team friendly deal i'm i'm going to take like a fair market value deal for him where an nba team looks at pat and sees that value as as right now, he's a good three and D wing, like three and by three and D. Obviously, I mean, like he's a good spot up three point shooter and a plus defender at only age of 21, 22 slash 22. And there's still a lot of juice maybe left in his offensive game that maybe he has not had the opportunity to showcase. And he's going to continue to get better on the defensive end as he gets more familiar with the league and, you know, gets a good idea of where he needs exactly his body to be for on a, in every off season going into a season for the entire grind of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like, it would be ideal to extend him, but I, I'm not expecting anything to get done because of that, because it's like, you're not going to get him on a team friendly deal. Uh, I don't think um, speaking of other young players, obviously IO, the sumu who, had a pretty rough year. He, like, he, you know, we've talked about I O so many times on this pod, and, you know, going into last offseason, we all expected him to kind of be the guy that takes that big jump and really, you know, solidifies that starting point guard position with Lonzo being out, and then makes it tough when Lonzo comes back, that, oh, when well, maybe we should still stick with I O, But he had the complete opposite season. Like, he was generally pretty bad for most of the season like he had his good moments no doubt but he was pretty much a negative player uh, and struggled uh not sure if it was just like a sophomore slump um or what happened with him but yeah it wasn't a good good offseason and going into this offseason again with the bulls cap situation being what it is uh, how much do you prioritize bringing him back because it sucks to use, lose any young player because I still think there's something there with iO where you can he can become a good rotational player, but you have to be smart about how you extend him. Uh, what, what is a thing like a number that you have in mind and in general, what are your expectations with iO and hope for IO going forward uh, as far as his future may hold?
2: This is a lot tougher. I mean, as you said, Io had kind of a down year. It was kind of the opposite of Kobe where his his numbers kind of stayed the same for the most part, but he just looked – he didn't look as effective out there. I still think his defense is really good, and he, and he projects to be a, a good defender. He's got the length. Um, he's actually the same age as Kobe White, which is kind of wild right. to think about. They're both 23 and change. I, I, think, I think he's – also probably worth retaining because I like Kobe, I, I don't think the league has taken a lot of notice of him and he had a rough year, but there was also a lot of changes this year to his role. And he was kind of thrown in and out of the lineup. Whereas last year was like Lonzo was out and he was like thrust into that role. And he just, he got a lot, kind of a long runway to go. Um I'm not down on him. Like I'm, and this is my philosophy. You guys, if you guys know, I'm pretty patient with young players. I'm, I'm usually, I'm, willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and time. And especially if you're not, if you don't project to be a superstar fit and opportunity and health just matter so much more to you than to those other guys. And for IO, it's a crowded guard room right now. And Kobe has clearly outplayed him this year and it kind of took some time. And then Drajic was um, doing a lot of the early minutes this year. uh, They're in the early season. So I would I would definitely bring him back. I was disappointed that they only had the two year deal for him. But I don't think that you're gonna have a team that's offering in the mid-level. I think he's gonna be, you know, significantly below that. If you can get him anywhere between you know under like eight million a year, I think you bring him back. Um, and even if it's you know if it's close. We've made this mistake too many times with these the second players. You say you said Salim, we're paying these guys for what we think they can be. That second contract is usually a really good bet, right? Because you're getting the guy's age, sometimes 23 through um, 27. That's a pretty good solid. That's when they're kind of entering their prime. You're really going to see what they can be. It's usually a good bet to make that second contract offer. So I would do it. He's been hard to read this year because it's been kind of so inconsistent. And there's been so much (laughs) middery overall on the team. That it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to just nail down what was really going on, but I know his shooting kind of fell off a little bit from from outside. He only shot thirty one percent. He shot thirty seven last year, but you know his overall temps were almost identical. He shot one hundred eighty one times last year, one hundred eighty two times from three this year. Um, it's just too small of a sample size, I think, at this point. So give him more time, give him more reps. I think he's one of those guys like Kobe where he works hard. And he's got a great attitude and he clearly has some talent. So give him some time and give him some runway. And I I think he still has plenty of time to reach his potential. And because of his work ethic, I think he will reach his potential, whatever that may be. And I think being a rotation player is probably that potential at, at minimum. I think he's kind of like an eight or ninth guy at minimum that you can you can kind of have for the long term. So is that worth paying the guy five to eight million? I think so. So that's where I'm at with it.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it like the absolute worst, he'd still be a very tradable contract. So like, I I don't think like there's really a, a way that you should like justify losing him at this point, especially when we're talking about we're talking about like prioritizing uh like three and D players and making sure that we have those on the roster. And I.O., we've seen him do that in plenty of flashes, even though he had a weird year this year. We saw that the year before. And we also saw him be like a really solid passer as well. So like, I I think if you can, I think if you can find a way to retain this group of young talent with IO and Pat and Kobe, I think you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up really well. I think Uh, whether it's going to be a rebuild or whether you're trying to retool around Zach, I think you're setting yourself up well there and you're going to be able to feel like uh, compete with a team that, has those shooters and has some players that are improving on defense and have some defensive upside like Pat and IO do. So uh, I I think we should absolutely keep him, especially if it's going to be under VMLE, like that could be a a hell of a bargain deal. Uh, So yeah, like, I mean, do you, so going into next season, if, if IO is here, do you have a lot of faith in him being able to like turn it around and being able to bounce back? Like, do you think we see more of that rookie IO? Do you think we can see the next step in his game? Like, and what would even really be that next step in his game for him to take to really become like a, a more than like a pretty solid player, I guess.
2: Yeah. I I do see a role for him. I, I think our guard play, even though we've got, you know, Zach and Kobe and, and Caruso and him, that's a pretty solid core of good combo guards and, and, you know, Zach's obviously like more of a wing, but he's got a role in this team because he can defend. He's long, he's athletic. He can ball handle. He can get to his spots. He's got to work on the shooting. I think the swing skill for him is going to be his shooting, but I think he's a good, he's already a good player. Um, yeah. He's got enough skills at, at, a high enough level to be competent on the floor. Like he's not a guy that you throw out there and like really worry a lot about him. It's just more like how much impact is he going to have rather than like, ah, shoot, like if he's not making shots, you know, we can't, we can't keep him out there. He's not like that. I, I think he's, I think he's worth being a rotation player. He just, you know, our team profile is especially bad for someone who isn't having a great shooting year. We really need good shooters. If we had a lot more shooters, I'd feel a lot better about Io's role. But too much is being asked of Io from the shooting standpoint. <laughs> That's why the swing skill is kind of going to be that shooting. We just need better shooters, you know, at the two, at the three, at the four across the roster. And I think Io will slide into that a little bit better. But he's he's got some juice off the dribble. Like he can he can do a lot of different things for you at a high enough level where you kind of feel comfortable giving him the keys. And we saw it happen last year. So he's clearly capable of that. I don't see a reason why he would get worse at those things. I just think it was kind of a rocky year and, and it's, you know, it's worth keeping him on the roster. And the problem we're going to run into here is if you keep all these guys and you pay all these guys, you're going to run into a tax problem. Now the new CBA is going to give you some more room. They're going to kind of, they're going to lessen the restrictions. It's not going to be as punishing to go over that first tax line. It's going to be way more punishing to go over the second tax line, that kind of second apron. Um, so I think it's a good investment for them to kind of get into that, even if they had to pay a little bit of the tax this next year. And and by the way, you can pay those guys at the year and be in the tax to start the year. You don't pay that tax until the end of the year. So you can trade right. off guys at the deadline. You can go into the season with, too much money on the books and still be fine and still not end up having to pay that tax. So I don't see, I don't think that it should be used as
0: an excuse to not retain some of these guys. Yeah. And I think expectations for IO kind of should be, you know, like, can he become a three and D guard essentially? I know we keep talking about three and D, but can he become like a Pat Bev essentially? That's something that expectation should be at this point, not, you know, maybe they were just unreasonable just because of the rookie season he had to be like, oh man, maybe he could be a starting point guard and be like a, a lot better on offense than we thought he was going to be originally. But it just kind of temporary expectations. Can he just kind of become that three and D guard that we thought he could be coming off the bench just be impactful minutes, you know, playing good defense and just, you know, making good decisions out there like Pat Bev tends to do. So, yeah, that's something the expectations uh, should be as far as IO is concerned. That's an interesting comp, actually. I, mean, I know
2: Pat Bev has been a pretty good shooter consistently throughout his career. Right. Um, right. But I think that kind of mold of player where, you know, Pat Bev's not not running the offense all the time, but he can in spots and he's a good, right. solid, multi-positional defender. He's got that. I mean, he's just got that drive. And, and Io kind of has. I mean, Ayo's not like the junkyard dog kind of mentality, but he's he's really solid. I think on the defensive end, and he he gets after it. He's got that mentality um, to to be to be a dog out there. So yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty that's a nice goal for him to shoot for. And I think out of a second round pick, who's you know coming out of college a little bit older, I think that would be a really nice outcome for the Bulls with that pick.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah right. So, to 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 wrap, let, let's kind of like wrap this. Uh, ultimately, uh we can make that quick. Uh, do you expect Kobe and Io to return to the Wolves ultimately uh, in the off season?
2: No, <laughs> I wish I would bring both of them back, <laughs> but i I think they're gonna I think they're gonna try and use the tax thing. Um, as the excuse, Now it's going to depend on what Booch is going to get paid or if he's going to get paid. But I, I, I I hope they bring both of them back because they need all the help they can get and paying 23 year olds who've shown nice things, reasonable money. I think it's just a a solid principle, a sound principle in general. Uh, So I think they should, if I had to guess, I would say one of them's gone, but you know, whether that's the bulls own incompetence or someone just really paying a lot of money or it's just not making sense, who knows, but that's kind of my prediction right now.
1: What about you, Salim?
0: No. Yeah. It's tough because like, I just, I still don't know what's going to happen in the off season. Like it's, if you continue with this big three, you have to pay the tax to continue with them, but this ownership doesn't want to pay the tax. So then it becomes, who are we going to lose? And who are they going to prioritize? Um, And that's why I have such a big fear about them losing Kobe and Kobe just going somewhere and, you know, kind of breaking out, like not necessarily like Lowry has, Uh, not to say he's going to become an all-star somewhere if he goes somewhere, but kind of just another salt in the Bulls fans' wounds of a young guy that showed flashes, showed promise, showed improvement, but, you know, we just didn't have the patience uh to stick with them and then they went somewhere else and and huh. found a way to you know kind of break out and stabilize who they are in this league so it's tough. Yeah. I, I I probably lean towards with Chris that we're gonna at least lose one of them. Um if I had to choose I'd I would pick Kobe over Io yep. personally. Um but yeah I just, it's gonna be tough um, unless they unless AK pivots like and says okay, well we're gonna break up this big three and go another route. Like I know maybe he obviously maybe doesn't want to do a full rebuild, yeah. and and they still want to keep Zach and try to maneuver around that. Which again it still would probably be a mistake, but at least maybe then you can fit in more of the young guys and you'll probably still be a bad team where you have your 2024 pick. So then you're not too worried about, you know, as far as missing the playoffs and not being good and, and just general, you know, having an ability to get a higher pick, but yeah, it's just long answer short. Just, yeah, I expect you know, one of them to be done at least. Here's the thing though. If we're think
2: about the principle of this, you're a mid team at the tax line, if you are sacrificing young players to continue to be You're right to, to continue the mid team, I think you've got a real problem on your hands. Like you, it's exactly. not a championship team. It's not a team that has a lot of high aspirations. It's a very middling team with lots of high paid players. If you are sacrificing young players to keep that going, I think, I think it's just an idiotic move. So that's, that's to me, I think they're going to do that. I just think it would be a really, really dumb way to go about things. It's just bad business. It's just, yeah, in all aspects, it's just bad. I'm already getting mad about it. Like I won't get mad about it unless it happens, but (laughs) it's just on, on principle, it's such a terrible way to to run a basketball team.
0: Right. And like, that's why I'm hoping that the presser was just BS. And we're going to see some drastic changes, like the changes that we've been talking about, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I mean,
1: even based on what uh, Reinsdorf was saying in the, uh, yeah, you know, was he at like uh, the, the game-changing something? Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I it, hope that rumor is true. <laughs> yeah, I was
2: like, Michael, please do your job. Step in and end this madness. It's
1: it's just it's not going anywhere. Yeah. So, it, if everything he's saying is spot on, which usually it is, then. Um,
2: We're in trouble. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. we're in trouble. Well, Casey Johnson said at the end of the presser, "Is like, hey, listen, so you're gonna bring in more shooting, or you're gonna change your shooting shooting profile, and you're gonna bring back all your all your impending free agents. You can't do that unless you pay the tax. Like, this is not possible. So, what are you not being truthful about? You know, like you can't, you literally can't do the plan you just described to us in your in your season ending presser. So, something's got to give here. What's it gonna be?"
0: Uh, it's almost like, did, 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 AK not know their the situation? Like that's the other worries. He's like, what if he just, uh, what if he didn't actually know? And he's, and, and Casey, and when Casey mentioned it to him, he was like, Oh wait, really? For real? And he's like, Oh yeah. Oh, I got something. I got
2: something up my sleeve and it's like, it went out the calculator like crap, 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 crap. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we'll find out, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll find out what happens with yeah.
1: that. Yeah, we'll see. This is it's gonna be an interesting offseason. Like like you said, Celine, we it's anyone's guess what happens. It it could just be all out nuts, all out crazy, but we'll we'll see what happens. So uh ending this with some postseason NBA playoff talk, uh right now Golden State and the Lakers are uh starting their series in the Western Conference semis. Uh Denver is up two zero against Phoenix. Boston and Philly had a really good game last night. Uh James Harden looking amazing uh in with the Sixers winning game one without Joel Embiid in Boston. And then the Knicks and Heat are now tied one one after they beat uh Miami uh as of this recording. Uh Jimmy Butler did not play. So again, it's been a really, really entertaining uh NBA playoff uh, so far. So uh let's start with you, Chris. Like What stuck out to you in this playoffs? And do you have like a feel for who you think is going to end up going all the way? Like, what do you think is going to be the finals matchup ultimately?
2: I've really actually enjoyed the parody this season. And I think the new CBA shows that the league likes it and they're trying to make the teams more even. And it's really created a lot of drama for the league. So I thought the most ironic thing ever would be having a Lakers-Warriors rematch, which we've now gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the Celtics and the Warriors ended up in a finals rematch, like we got to, if that happens, you got to take out the cartridge and blow on it and restart the game. Cause like, we can't do that. <laughs> it's like, you can't have that rematch after all this great parody, but it really does show that these teams are pretty evenly matched across the board. Like I thought the Celtics and the Nuggets were kind of clear favorites to come out. Uh, along with the Bucks, but we just saw what happened to the Bucks with, you know, with full health against Jimmy Butler and, you know, in the shrimp shack shooters. Like I just, they've done an amazing job and, and you see Jimmy already up one Oh on the Knicks and um, they're playing right now. Actually. Did they, did they, did their game end here? The Knicks yeah. won game two without Jimmy Butler, without Jimmy Butler there. So it's one, one, but I do think the nuggets will probably come out of the West. Um, and I think the, I think the Celtics Man, it would be really fun to see Nuggets Sixers like Embiid versus Jokic in the finals. That would be really fun. I hope Jokic. I'm sorry. I hope Embiid gets healthy. Um, I I feel like Boston's been shaky, kind of uh, in an underrated way this year. So we'll see if it plays out in this series as it did in in, uh, in Game One, and it, you kind of showed a little bit in Atlanta some of those weaknesses. But it's really anybody's game at this point, and that makes me really happy as a as a fan to not know. The predetermined outcome of the playoffs. We've just seen great performances, a lot of great drama. We saw the Kings have like a really nice seven-game series with with uh, Steph Curry balling out, fifty points. You saw James Harden his forty-five point performance. Jimmy Butler's obviously put his team on his back, and it's just it's a joy to to watch him outplay LeBron in the, the twenty twenty Finals, and then just completely annihilate the Bucks basically by himself. Um, so it's just really cool to see this kind of chaos. Like I enjoy, I enjoy this type of this type of process. So I hope we see more parody and more kind of unexpected victors. That would make me really happy. So, but my, my current prediction is if Embiid is healthy, I think it's going to be Sixers nuggets in the finals. If not, I think it's going to be the Celtics coming out of the East.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed these playoffs too. I know that, like I said, you know, a lot of, but Chris Munster and parody, a lot of great competitive games, series. Um, You haven't really had too many uh just lopsided, like, you know, boring series. Like even the Celtics Hawks, where you thought that series would end pretty quick, ended up being pushed. Uh, what was the six games that went, I think, right? Um, when it's night against uh, the Celtics, you thought that, you know, when I beat out the Celtics would take advantage of that and, you know, James Harden kind of like, you know, reminded people that you know he can still give you forty when he wants to, uh, when he needs to. Um, you know, kind of that. You know, people thought I fell off. Uh, like it was that Drake line. People thought I fell off. Who I needed that. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, he uh, he he showed out, and obviously my guy Jimmy Butler. You know, I think he's on his. Uh, He's on his two thousand eleven Dirk run right now. I think you know he's gonna. <laughs> we'll see what the Heat do. Like it's, it's funny. Like, and I think I I don't know if he's talking about before we're recording or or in the intro when we were Ed, Edward talking, but like it's just insane to see how much better the Heat are in this playoffs than they were all season. It just it's bizarre. They had a they had a net negative uh, net rating. Like I think they were like po- negative point three, and point differential or something like that. And but in the in the postseason, like you know, granted, Giannis was out for I think one or two games, but he was back for the other ones. And and, he, and and while he maybe he was limited, he was still like he what he had thirty and twenty that last game, the game uh, six that they or five, sorry, can't remember six, but that they uh, that they that the Heat clinched. Like it's not like he was like a bum in that game, or like clearly not. playing well like he had a really good game um and but jimmy just on another level um well the the, my favorite jimmy moment was literally like uh when they were i think they were down six points the the heat where that is and he makes a bucket and goes and looks at drew holiday says i own you (laughs) like like, dude, the the, the, the nutsack on this guy, man. The like, 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 this guy is just like. The, it, it reminds you of like when you know MJ in the Last Dance when he's holding the bat and he's talking about guys talking crap. You know when you're when you're the game is tied or when you have when when your team has the lead. You know these dudes run their mouths, but you know when they're when they're behind, they don't start talking. That's when you know. You know how how real you are, and like Jimmy, just like dude, Jimmy doesn't stop talking no matter what, and his like his confidence level is obscenely high. Like, yeah, it, it's been He's it, it's been yeah, it's just been dude. so this has been so fun watching him just ball out and like me being consistently vindicated. Uh, there's been people that have been like uber anti, like we don't believe in Jimmy, who finally like you know what. Forget it. Like I can't doubt Jimmy anymore. Like I just can't do it. Um, yep. He's that guy. He's like he's just a different level of player in the playoffs. And like I said, in the regular season, he is an All NBA caliber player. But like he just turns into generational in the in the playoffs. It's it's crazy. Like it's it's crazy. Like and and just think like that he has like he's talented, no doubt. Naturally, like he's talented, but he doesn't have that like elite. Level of athleticism and certain things about his game, like some of these other players naturally have, and like if you think about that man, if he had those skills, like this would be Jimmy's league. <laughs> like you would own the league, like if he had those yeah. talents. But yeah, it just it's been amazing to watch, and obviously the stuff Fifty Burger Game Seven, like the speech he gave to the, in the locker room, told the told guys like, listen, if you're uh, uh, you know, you're either with us or like, or stay home. Like, if you're not feeling it, we don't want you here. We're not, we're not going out like this. And comes into Game Seven on the road, um, and they, yeah, they just absolutely, he just carried them. You know, obviously Looney was marvelous, like 21 rebounds. We, he, I think, like, absolutely gave Sabonis nightmares all series. For the most part, you know, Sabonis was like, had a tough series himself, but uh, obviously, and and not taking nothing away from that Kings team, man, that's, they they have a bright future. They, they've did what the Bulls wanted to do, but did it more successfully, and they haven't compromised their future. I think they they owe uh, the Pacers a 24 pick, but then they have all their other picks, and they have like a slew of young players that are still, you know, potential to grow and if a player becomes available, they could probably go trade for that guy that can, you know, make the roster even better. But yeah, you know, and like it said, um, yeah, the playoffs have been fun. So those are some of the things that have stuck out to me. Ed, how about you? Man, I, I loved seeing playoff basketball back
1: in Sacramento. That was such a fun series. Yeah. And that crowd, it, like you just remember how great that crowd is. Like they are one of the when you consider all of the teams in the league and when they get to the playoffs, Sacramento is like a top two or three crowd when it comes to uh playoff basketball, just an amazing environment. And to get that series in that environment was just great. Like that's golden state versus Sacramento was my favorite series so far. Just amazing. The way it ended with Steph, just doing stuff, things and just taking over the game, the will to not lose that game, just hitting impossible shots. It, it was fantastic. This is this has really just been the most. It's been like the most March Madness NBA playoffs I think I've seen in a while. And like you said, the parity has been there. There's been upsets. There's a lot of teams that are on the same level, and it's just really weird. Like nothing really would surprise me at this point. Like the Knicks even have a theoretical shot to get to the NBA Finals, which is pretty crazy to think about. And Miami could. Get to the NBA Finals, and that's funny because uh, the Bulls were three zero against Miami in the regular season. Uh, but it, it's just it's just such a really entertaining series, uh, uh, entertaining playoffs. For me, my finals prediction right now, I think the Warriors are really going to get back to the to playoffs. Like just the way Steph is playing, I I think this is going to be like his crown, like this is going to be another like crown for him. Like this is taking this Warriors team that was so bad on the road during the regular season and being able to propel this team and just winning some key road wins in the playoffs. I think this is really going to be it. Like, I think if we aren't already doing it unanimously, I think by the end of this postseason, Steph Curry is the best point guard in NBA history. Like I I think this is it. Um, Sorry, not
0: to cut you off. I already have him there personally. Yeah, I personally already
1: yeah, yeah. have him there. Yes, yeah. So it, like, I know some are like still saying like Isaiah and you know Magic and you know whoever, whoever. But like, if Steph wins another one, I I think it's a wrap. Like, and hell, he may not even need another one. But if he wins another yeah. one, it's just it's just all said and done with. Like, the guy is just too great. We've never seen anything like it. He's changed the game of basketball. And I, I think the Warriors are getting back to the NBA Finals, and they might even mess around and win it again. So, uh, and then Eastern Conference. Um, oof. I, I mean, honestly, I really think it might end up being Boston Golden State running it back again. Like, and I know Boston lost to Philadelphia, but I, I still love their rotation. I still think that they could uh, come out the East. But yeah, I, I think it's gonna be Gol- uh, Golden State Boston a rematch again, but. Yeah, this is this has just been a, a fantastic postseason, and my only gripe is that I hate West Coast time, and I hate, <laughs> and I hate that I've become so responsible that, like, man, I have to go to sleep and uh, <laughs> so Move it's on like, over here, buddy. I mean, it's it's great over here. It's great. I'm it so, sounds like a personal <laughs> problem, to be honest. Man, it's like I, I can't watch all of the games, so like. In real time so i always look forward to the weekend but uh like I, i've been trying to stay up as late as i can to watch these and sometimes it just involves having to wake up and see the score uh on the app but uh man i i really would love i i don't know how they can do it but i would love for them to be able to like to have some earlier times for these west coast games i would
0: Yeah, uh, i the other team we didn't even talk about the nuggets like like obviously, MB got MVP, and and I think Jokic was runner up. But like, the Nuggets have really looked good too, and I I mean I I still have them coming out of the West. Like we'll see what happens with the Warriors. Um, I I, th- I think the Warriors will win against the Lakers, but you know it'll be an interesting you know Conference Finals for sure. But like it's it's funny, like you know, I think amongst. You know, there there's always like a polarizing conversation about Jokic, as far as like you know, the, the people that love him absolutely love him, and then that he has his, his big detractors uh, that I feel like are kind of like put oh, way too much criticism on him than than deserved. Especially when you consider like when you look at all the like all the great players that we talk about, like especially all time great levels, like Jokic has never had another top twenty player on his roster with him. Mm. Like Jamal Murray's good, but he's not that good. Like he's he's not like Jamal Murray's not even an all star. Like he's never made an all star team. And maybe you can nitpick on that as far as well, maybe he should have made it one year or whatever. But like I I legitimately don't think like even even a, even a top twenty five player. Like I don't think that he's ever played with a top twenty five player. And when you consider that how much he consistently carries that Nuggets team to new levels. Um, I just feel like it's he's he gets un by a certain sect of NBA Twitter NBA fans he gets unfair criticism put on him uh, yeah. and this season obviously like expectations are higher because they were the first seed and rightfully so but it's like man I feel like yeah like the that Denver team is is really good too and I, I feel like you know they this is probably their best shot like since Jokic has been there that they're going to probably come out of the West. I I think so much of
1: the of the stuff against Jokic, I think it's just kind of like devolved into like you said, it's devolved into a group of talking heads and writers who are so strongly against like analytics and like that they that it's it's now they're kind of like using Jokic as that like as that prop to like, oh analytics are are bad. Like this is your analytic God and he hasn't been to an NBA final and he's not going to win a championship is the number one option. And you keep giving him MVPs. Like it's just, you know, it it really has devolved into that, but like it, it, there really shouldn't be any question of how great a player he is and what he's doing is insane. Like just the impact that he has for that team is just ridiculous. Um, Like unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. Like I, I don't, I don't, like they can they can come out the West, like, but if, if they're playing Golden State, I'm, I'm going to take Steph
0: just because, like – For sure. It's a lot, stuff. like, yeah, yeah. all-time yeah, like, – the all-time levelness is, like, yeah, for sure, I, I get that for sure. Yeah, like you said, like, I, I wish
1: Denver had, like, another – like, like I, I wish they had, like, that perimeter wing who, like you said, like, that all-star guy because I think if they did or if, like, Murray ever became that guy, then I think that they would – be able to get out the West and win, win it all. But yeah, they just – that that's what they're missing. Like, they have a great team, well-coached. They have the superstar. They just need that – they just need that other guy who is not on Jokic's level but can kind of sniff around near it sometimes. Yeah. That's tough.
2: I think it is their best chance to come out of the West as this year. But, I mean, the Warriors just what's, – what's interesting – there's when people talk about. I know, man. We're gonna we're gonna get off topic here, so I'll try and keep this real short. But I don't I don't, when going. we get when we have discussions about LeBron versus Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time, there's that there was that feeling of inevitability with Jordan that no matter what you did, he was gonna win. I've never felt that with LeBron, even though LeBron has been a phenomenal winner his entire career. And he's you know clearly top two at worst, I think, in, in the best player of all time conversation but Stephen Curry gives me that feeling when Steph is on the floor and healthy. Like, I just think he's going to find a way to win. Like he's just inevitable. And I, for that reason, it's like, it's been a struggle for me to watch him against my team because I always feel like he's cheating. He's just too good. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. He's going to come out with that W and like, that's an inevitability I haven't seen in a long time. Like, but Jordan had it, and I think Stephen Curry has that. And so it's hard to pick against the Warriors for that reason, no matter how good Jokic is. I mean, he's the best passing big man of all time and in the conversation for best passer period of all time. And and he's got a great team around him, but it's like, eh, it's Stephen Curry and the Warriors, and they're still healthy, and they're still doing this thing, and it's it's tough. So it's going to be fun to see that matchup. I did want to say, to bring it back to the Bulls, I don't think I've ever given my official Jimmy Butler take on like the trade. And I think people will focus a lot on the trade itself being bad or the return being bad. And for me, it was never really about that. It was more about the decisions that led to the Jimmy Butler trade being made. And the decisions that were made after Jimmy Butler trade was traded were the things that really damned the franchise. Cause they didn't give Jimmy a chance to be Jimmy. They didn't give him a chance. They signed Wade, they signed Rondo. They could have had a way better team built around him that maximized his strengths and all that stuff. And then after they traded him, they just didn't do the rebuild in a good way at all. They hired the worst coach in the league. They didn't. They didn't bring on assets. They didn't bring on bad contracts, like to try and put them in self, put themselves in a position to take that leap. You know, they got Zach and they got Lowry out of it, who are both all stars. Right. That's that's a pretty good return for Jimmy Butler, if all things considered. But it was the fact that they never had to trade him in the first place. If they hadn't done all these dumb things. And we wouldn't be still lamenting the Jimmy Butler trade today if they had just done the rebuild the right way. And I think that's what really irks me about it. It's not that I like lament that Jimmy Butler has gone. It's all the stuff that surrounded the trade that really bothers me. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it, but it's, it's fun to see him succeed and continue to show that the bulls were wrong um, in their thinking and in their evaluation. Uh, but I think that uh, for me as a bulls fan is, is the bigger issue.
0: Yeah. It's like, so like, like if you want to argue that the Bulls didn't lose, like the Bulls didn't lose that trade, whatever, but Bulls didn't win the trade either because, like, just we've been a miserable team outside of last year, which was only really thirty games. So like I don't know, like I just think the Jimmy, and I also felt like the Bull, like the Garpacks, never really gave an honest effort to build around Jimmy either. Like you know, you had. They would say, "Oh, we're gonna get younger and more athletic," and then they go out and get Wade and Rondo and and Jimmy wanted to go get Wade too. Like he, after the fact, I think it was like when Jimmy said, "Uh, uh, Jimmy said that you know he wants to, uh, you know, recruit like or like when Garpax went and talked to D Wade, he went and recruited D Wade too." But it was whatever. I don't want to get into these long. Uh, uh, but yeah, let yeah, that's that's all I got there. So I'll. I'll push back just
1: a tad, and this is no defense of the the front office, but I do think that Miami is, like, the perfect situation for Jimmy, and I do think in Chicago, I think Jimmy, and this was, I guess this doesn't really have anything to do with the trade. I guess it's maybe just more so, like, Jimmy commentary, but, like, I'm glad that he's grown more, more as a leader It feels like and maybe that's part of that has to deal with like being in Miami, because I do think that there were times in Chicago where it was just like some of the things that Jimmy was doing was just like, all right, come on, man. Like, like you're you're really good, but you're not that type of guy yet. And like it it was like as a fan, it was just kind of like, you know, whatever. But I think going back to what Chris was saying, that. When you look at that trade, a lot of it is in we all know like the, the old quote organizations win championships and just the organization culture was just awful. Like the bulls have been so anti-player for the longest. And I think it really showed up big with how they handled Jimmy Butler in that situation. And then as you talked about after the trade, just like going with Boylan after they fired Hoiberg, uh, Hoiberg, uh, just the way that they were developing players, they weren't really putting players in the right positions to succeed. Like, they have never really done a good job of being able to put players first in any sort of way uh, for a while. um, they're, they're getting, they're trying to like, I guess, like with the new front office, they're trying to rehabilitate that image. But like, I think that was the thing that stuck out for me is that they just anti-player like all of the articles that we read, it sounded like just a player's like nightmare. Like if you were reading that, it's like, why would I play for this Bulls team? Like you see all of these articles about, uh like the rooms being bugged and stuff like that. And just uh, like, it, it just, it was just so weird. Like, I, I I think, I think the way things went with Tibbs and then the things went with Butler. And then I think also some of the stuff with Derrick Rose, I believe as well, like all of that was just ugly in terms of like the perception of his team. And like that leaks out into how they were handling this team under Butler and after a trade. So um, the trade itself like it is what it is like they did end up getting some mm-hmm. good players but um, I I don't know if the Bulls I, I don't know if the Bulls ever really learned like the core the core issues of what went wrong from that like I don't think they ever really took accountability from all of that at least the old regime and I don't think ownership really took accountability either with all of that
2: 100% don't disagree at all yeah
1: yeah but hey it, Salim you you got a good victory lap man I
0: can Ooh. still I can still hear you running man. I'm vindicated. I have <laughs> vindica- been vindicated I have been vindicated
1: Yeah no he uh the the Jimmy but is is Jimmy Butler a Hall of Famer uh conversation is uh that's uh, a <laughs> starting to look pretty one sided <laughs> right now He he is 100% yeah. he's going to get in Yes but uh no that that wraps up today's show, uh, Chris. Thank you for joining us today, man. This was great. We went, we went pretty long of it with the, with all this. Like we were getting a lot of thoughts. Like you really did unload on all things Bulls. But again, we always appreciate that when you're on the show that you were able to just like unload with all, all of your opinions on this team and just really give us some great insight and information and some great scouting on what this team is doing. So. Let let our listeners know what you got going on, what you're working on. If you got any final thoughts before we wrap up,
2: yeah, I appreciate you guys. It's been cathartic to just be able to chat for if, if, you know a little bit of time here about the Bulls and the many problems, the many the many issues, and um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but it's it's going to be fascinating for sure. This team never fails to disappoint uh, or at least intrigue. <laughs> um, you guys can. Follow me at KLA Hoops on Twitter. My presence has been a little bit more muted recently the last few months. Uh, You guys can also follow Swish Theory at Swish Theory. We've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of really, really talented people at Swish Theory that we're trying to promote their work and and show that there's a lot of good analysis and in-depth analysis about different teams across the league, different players. The draft, you guys could check out our our, uh, NBA draft guide. Um, it's, you know, if you type it in, it'll, it'll be one of the first couple of, of hits on Google. A lot of the stuff I'm doing with it is behind the scenes, and not really public facing right now, but we've got a lot of stuff in the works and I'm hoping to put out one or two written pieces, um, in the next few months here that I've been working on for who knows how long, but, uh, I've, I've been distracted, unfortunately, but so yeah, you can follow me there. And once again, thanks for you guys for having me on and uh, we'll do it again. Appreciate you.
1: Right. Yeah, support Switch Theory. We love the, the draft interface is amazing. I've seen it like posted like on just like different websites and a lot of people just giving some really great feedback on it. So uh like props to what you and Lero have been doing over there with uh, Switch Theory is a fantastic website and y'all are doing some great things. Uh Celine, so you got any final thoughts before we wrap up?
0: Yeah, I mean just thanks to Chris for joining us. Obviously, it's always great to get his thoughts. Um, you know, it's been it's been uh, missing for as far as his Bulls thoughts this season because he obviously busy with switch Theory and then just busy with other stuff in general. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, how the rest of these playoffs go. I'm still riding my Jimmy bandwagon, and I'm hoping he can uh, surprise people, continue to surprise people, and just push through, uh, hopefully. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about this, getting into the getting into the – eastern conference finals at least that should be uh like you know the he was pretty competitive all game uh without jimmy so uh we'll see what happens when you know he he gets an extra like day few days like he almost gets like a week uh to rest that ankle um and then the miami has home court now against the Knicks, so we'll see what happens there but yeah and then like i said we'll see what happens with the bulls as we get into the offseason and then two weeks as the draft lottery, maybe they get lucky as hell and and can get into that top four. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, we're definitely getting Victor.
1: We're definitely getting one beat, man.
0: Yeah, hopefully.
1: (laughs) It's a a lot at this point. Uh, I hope so. (laughs) Oh man. But uh that, that concludes today's Bulls Gold as always. You can catch our past shows on the Barroom Network wherever you get your uh wherever you get your podcast. Thank you again to Chris Robinson for dropping by as always for Salim Suwala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold and we will catch you next time, Bulls Gold